The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. A couple of guys uh, heard about the Amish, so they went out and they uh, got out in their pasture and they stole some stuff. Steve, you wouldn't steal nothing from them, would you? <laughs> Y'all have to come to their Sunday school class to know the history behind this. Uh, so the uh, the Amish man had his gun and went out into the field and confronted those folks, and uh, they said, uh, well, we know you're Amish, and we know that you'd not shoot anybody. And he said, that's true, but uh, I have my gun, and you're standing where I'm fixing to shoot. <laughs> so, Steve, <laughs> keep it up, brother. Uh, he doesn't do anything wrong with the Amish. I'm just, uh, it's kind of been an ongoing story. He made some real good Christmas ornaments this year, Amish Christmas ornaments, if y'all are at the, uh, at the swap. Uh, and, and he has a talent to do that, and he used it. <laughs> now, how did that end up in our sermon this morning? Well, we're talking about using what God has given us and using his blessings. Uh, and if you're in Matthew chapter 25, did I tell y'all to turn there? Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Uh, verse 14 through 30 uh, is our scripture this morning, and we're not going to read it because uh, I don't, we read it last week. So while I'm preaching, you feel free to go through and read it. But the story is the talents and the master that goes out of town. Oh, incidentally, I'm glad to have my family here, my older sisters here this morning, and... Uh, Two of her daughters and a new baby that I haven't even seen. Denise has him. Okay, so uh, I have a, uh, what is she? A, a great, uh, he, it's a he. <laughs> a great nephew that's here this morning that was born a, a few weeks or a month or so ago. And uh, so I'm looking so forward to that. Uh, Y'all know how I am sometimes. So uh, anyway, we're going to move on this morning. What I want to do to start off with, I want to give you a quick run back of what took place uh, in, in last week. So we'll kind of be on board. And when you read this passage of Scripture, Jesus is giving an answer to his disciples about his return. Now that's key to remember because Jesus is teaching and he's using a parable but he's answering a question from his disciples. So his disciples say, tell us about how you're going to come back, about your return. And Jesus says, when these things start happening, this is 24 verse 3, says, then, then you'll know this will be a sign of the coming of the age. And then he goes on and he, he tells them in 2444 that this will be, uh, the, the Son of Man return will be uh, when people least expect it, in an hour when you least expect it, that there will be a return there. And then... Uh, 2513 says, therefore keep watch because you don't know the hour of my return. So he's talking to his disciples. They're talking about when are you going to return? And then he gives this parable right in the middle. And he, he talks about again, it, my return. It's important to understand that because everything he says past that has to do with his return. It doesn't have to do with the talents, the men. It has to do with the master who's leaving and those that he has left in charge of what he left them. So, so when we read this, don't get lost in the parable 
But really think about this. Jesus is saying it's going to be like a man who has gone on a journey. Now, who is the man that's gone on the journey? That's Jesus. Okay? Who are those he's entrusted his belongings to? That's Christians. Okay? So us, as we read this parable... Jesus is the man on the journey. We're those he's entrusted his blessings to. Now, I want to ask you this morning, I don't want you to answer this, but what has he blessed you with? I want you to think about that. We've been talking over the last month or so about God's blessings. Before that, we talked about God's purpose in our life. So if God has a purpose in your life, he's given you blessings, he's given you resources, he's given you talents to carry out what he wants you to do in his ministry. So I want you to think about this. What are the blessings? What has God entrusted to you? Now, when we begin to read this last week, we saw a couple of truths. Three I want to just touch on. The first is this. According to verse 14, what we have is not ours. you all remember us talking about that? What we possess is not ours. His servants called to him. He entrusted them with his property. That's what it says in verse 14. Now, I was thinking about this. I want to remind you, back in this time, that was common. A wealthy man would go on a journey. He would call together his trusted folks, and he would say, Hey, I'm going to entrust this property to you. I want you to take it. And it was implied and understood that they were to invest that. This journey may be any number of times. His disciples would have understood this. When a rich man goes on a journey, he couldn't hop on Delta Airlines or Southwest and fly down to Houston and uh, two hours later catch a flight and fly back. It was, it was unknown. He might be gone a month. He might be gone two years. So it was unknown. But he was going on a journey. It was going to be a long journey. He called together those he trusted. He said, here's my belongings. Now, he would have had them take care of things, and we talked about this last week, keep feeding his animals, taking care of his house, keeping his mail cleaned up, all of those things. But he entrusted him with his with his material possessions. Now, I want you to think about this. I was kind of thinking about a, an illustration of this. Think about a car dealership. And I don't guess, do we have any car salesmen here this morning? Maybe or maybe not. We have two or three that go to church here. Uh, and think about the owner of a car dealership. And let's say he has three dealerships. He has one in Paris and one in Sulphur Springs and, and one in Rockwall. And, and he's going to go on a long trip. So he calls together those three Uh, people that that run those dealerships and say, okay, I'm going on a long journey. I don't know when I'm going to return, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all of my things. I want you to run my business while I'm gone. And let's say the guy in Paris says, all right, that's great. And he goes and he sells 10,000 cars while this guy's gone. Let's say he's gone two years. And then this guy over here in Sulphur Springs, let's say while he's gone, he sells 5,000 cars. But this guy in Rockwall, he locks the doors. And he just walks the lot and makes sure everything's staying good and everything's staying good. Two years later, when that owner returns, what's he going to say? He's going to say to this guy in Paris, hey, you did a great job. You took what I've entrusted you with, you've sold, you've replaced, you've replenished our stock. We have the newest models out on the parking lot, and you're still at work. That's great. 
he's going to go to this guy in Sulphur Springs. He's going to say, hey, you did a great job. You, you've taken these cars that we had here. You've moved them. You've replaced. You have did a great job. But he's going to look at that guy in Rockwell and say, man, what have you been doing? I entrusted this to you. Why in the world would you lock it up and just move on? Doesn't that make sense? Don't we understand that in the business world today? Why we would say, hey, we don't want that guy working for us. And all three of those guys, did they own the car lot? No. All they were doing is put in place to carry out the owner's business. That's us, folks. God has given us blessings. He says, here's what I want you to do through this parable. I own it all. I'm going to entrust it to you. I want you to invest it. I want you to use it, and when I return, we're going to see about what you've done. That's what this whole parable's about. So the, 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 the man on the journey, the Lord, owns everything. Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Haggai 2, 8 says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. He has the rights on everything. He's entrusted that to his children. The second thing is we're given what we can handle. In this parable, to one he gave five talents, to another ten, two talents, to the other one talent. Remember that talent is just a measure of weight. That all, that's all it is. And we talked last week. Some of that, some of that was about $300,000 for one talent. So the guy with one talent, he had a lot. Now that, that guy that he gave five talents to, he had a lot more. But you understand that that the, the master realized, hey, I'm giving this guy five talents because he can manage that. And I'm giving this guy two talents because he can manage that. And I'm giving this guy one talent because he can manage that. Now, the guy was with one talent, I want us just to remember this, he didn't get just a little bitty measly. That's 300000 That's a lot. That's in today's wages. If we measured out in the, the gold and the silver or whatever it may have been, uh, it, it would have been about $300,000 in today's wages. If anybody here this morning said, hey, somebody entrusted me with $300,000, you're not going to be disappointed, are you? You're not going to go, well, he just gave me $300,000. You're going to be, hey, I got $300,000. So, so when we read this, we need to understand it, that God gives us what we can handle. He, he, he goes on in different places in Scripture. He gave each one according to his ability. We go over and we look at, at Paul in Corinthians, and he's writing about, about Apollos and about Paul, and he says, what are they? They're just servants. Some of them are wanting to follow one. Some of them want to follow the other. And, and Paul says, we're just servants that the Lord has assigned to each his task. So Paul understood that. Hey, who am I? Who's Apollos? We're just all workers that God has assigned a task to. So we don't need to worry about what somebody else's task is, how much weight and talent somebody else has. We need to realize, hey, God has given me a task. He's entrusted me with what I can handle. And then we go and we start investing it. Here's the third thing. We need to invest what we've been given. When we read this last week, the first guy, what did this Bible say? At once he went. Immediately, he got his five talents. Woo, look what the master's entrusted me with. At once, he goes to work. The second guy, it doesn't say he did it at once, but over a period of time, he invested his. So wherever we are today spiritually, 
Whatever God has blessed you with, you may be able to look back and say, man, from the day God's blessed me, I've been investing my talents. I've been using what God has given me. Remember, I'm not talking about a talent to sing or a talent to play an instrument. I'm talking about God's blessings. He's weighted out. He's given me a measurement of, of blessings upon me, and I've been investing them. And then this last guy, the third guy, he received one talent, and he, he just dug a hole, the Bible says, and threw it in the ground. He locked all the doors and walked the parking lot to make sure nothing changed while the master was gone. Our potential is God's gift to us. What we do with that potential is our gift to God. That's where we closed last week. This morning, we have three things we looked at. Our possessions are God's. He's entrusted them to our hands, and we expect to invest them. Why? If you read this parable, there was a reason. Because my fourth point is this, there's going to be a day of accountability coming. A day of accountability is coming. None of us want the IRS to come out and, and audit us, do we? I doubt anybody here would say, man, I hope next year when I turn my taxes and the IRS calls me up, I just want them to come audit me so bad. We just don't want to do it. We don't want to deal with it. But folks, we need to understand there will be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day, and, and that, that word reckoning or reconcile means to balance our account. There's going to be a day that we're going to stand before God, and we're going to balance our account with Him. And He's going to say, hey, I've entrusted you with these talents. Hey, I've entrusted you with this measure of blessings. What have you done with them? Have you reinvested them? And, and when we think about that, when we realize there's going to be a, a, a day of reconciliation, then we need to realize that, that one day as we stand before God and we look back at our life and we say, what, what have I done to invest in the master's business? While I think about this, I think most of us believe that in our heads. I think most of us really know that one day we're going to stand before God. I think we believe that with our heads, but I, I think too often we don't have it in our hearts. In other words, we have a, a head knowledge and a lip knowledge of that to say, yeah, I'm going to give account to God. But we don't really think about the, the eternity of uh, the impact on eternity we're going to have. As we're going to stand and we're going to give account to God. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each one of us, he's writing to Christians here, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Bear in mind, it was the duty of the servants to take the master's possessions and to invest them in the master's kingdom. That day is coming. 1 John 2.28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Boy, when we, when we read this passage of Scripture, and we're going to get into this just a little bit in just a second, can you imagine what those two guys that doubled that investment thought? Don't you know they were happy? We know they are. I'm fixing to talk about that. Don't you know that guy that didn't do anything was ashamed when he came before the Master? Don't you know he was looking at the ground and kicking rock and and trying to explain what he done away. John says, Dear children, continue in serving him, so that when he appears, we can be confident and unashamed in his presence. 
That's the reason that we want to put into play what God has given us because there's a day of accountability. Now, here's the fifth thing. What we do reveals what we think about God. What we do with God's blessing, it really does reveal what we think about God. If you're following there in your Scripture, verses 20 and 25, it deals with that. It deals with what they thought of the master. The, the language is insightful here. He says, the first man who has five talents says this, See, master, I have gained five more. That word see means behold or look. Man, think about that. Master's gone on the journey. He comes back home, and that guy that had five talents, he goes and he gathers up all that he had. Maybe it was in a wagon. Maybe it was in any number of things. And he meets the master out there on the road, and he goes, Hey, master, look. Behold what I have done. You left me with five, and, and I've doubled what you've done. And when we begin to read that, the master says, well, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then the guy with two talents, the same wording. Behold, master. Look, master, see what I've done. You've given me two talents, and, and I was eager to invest them, and, and I've doubled what you've done. Can't you see the excitement there? Listen, I want you to hear this. This is what the master said. Who's the master? Y'all help me out here. Thank you. Shout to the Lord. Who's the master? Thank you. The master said to them, You're the servant. Listen to what he says. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Here it is. Come and share in your master's happiness. Isn't that great? I mean, the master said, you know what? Y'all did a great job. Come on in and let's celebrate. Let's celebrate all that you've done. Let's get together and let's, let's have a party and share in my happiness in what you've done. It says in Luke 6, 38, if we'll give to God, He'll give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a promise of God's Word. When we invest what God has given us, He'll be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, until it's running over. That's a promise. When we invest what God has given us, the first two servants, listen to what they received. They received affirmation. Well done. You did a good job. We were going to the heart walk last week. Y'all remember I was crippling around up here. I got over it. Okay, so amen on that. And while you was walking along, and this was, they said it was three and a half miles. I think it was 11. But as we were walking, there would be people there that had American Heart Association t-shirts on. And they would go, good job, good job. Yeah, especially when they saw me. <laughs> They're like, good job. You can take your pressure out quick and okay. You know, but good job, good job. And, and I thought, that's silly. You know, I wouldn't want to do that. There's thousands of people walking and, and just people standing in the road going, y'all are doing a good job. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for your work. But you know what would have hacked me off? If somebody had been going, boy, y'all are stupid. Why are y'all, this is ignorant. You know, that would hack us off. It hacked me off that they were doing it because I thought, that is silly. But you know, when it comes right down to it, I appreciated that. And I'm sure there was many walkers that came by that said, hey, thank you, I, I appreciate the recognition. And when we look at this, these men got affirmation from the Master. Good job, I appreciate you for your good work and for your faithfulness. 
Oh, that we can wait to hear our Lord say, Good job. I appreciate what you've done. Come in and share in the Master's happiness. They also got promotion. It says in Scripture, Since you've done so well with what I've given you, I want to increase. I want to give you even more. See, he said, This guy can take care of this much. And when he saw what that guy had done, he said, You know what? That guy needs even more. Because he, he has a promotion for us when we're faithful with what he's given us. He had a celebration for those. That's what they received. A, a, an affirmation, a promotion, a celebration to come and to be with the master. Now let's go on and think about this third guy. When we saw those first two guys, they ran out to meet the master. They wanted them to see they wanted him to understand, Master, here's what we've done. That's what both of them said. Here's what the third guy said. Listen, we can miss this when he read it, when we read through it. Two of them come to it to say, Master, here's what we've done. The third guy says, he starts with, I knew. See, he starts with himself. He says, I knew you were a hard man. I already knew that. That word really can, uh, 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 sounds out like this. I have already known that you were a hard man. I already knew those things. The other guys kept their focus on the master. You've entrusted this to me. The third man, he looked at himself. I knew something about you already. And because of that, this third guy, he had a wrong view of the master. He had his mind made up before he ever got the talents. He had his mind made up and he looked around and he saw him as someone who was harsh, someone who was hard instead of someone who was loving and gracious. How many people do you think that live in our communities today when they think about the master, they think about someone who is hard, they think about someone who is harsh. Folks, we as Christians, A.W. Tozer said, he was right. He said, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. <clears throat> if we view God as a tyrant, we'll filter everything through those lenses. Some of us may be secretly angry with God because we think he did something or he didn't do something that we think he should have done. And as a result, our view of him is skewed. Your preconceived notions prevent you from seeing him as a God of grace. And as a result, you refuse to serve him and what was given to him or what was given to you. And we blame God and end up burying our blessings. I think that's a true statement. When we have a skewed view of who God is, this man, this servant said, Hey, you're a harsh man. I don't see you as a loving, gracious person. Because you're so harsh, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be afraid to go out and do what you want for me to do. I'm simply going to take this and I'm going to wrap it up. That, that faulty view of God, it leads to excuses. What was this man's excuse? Hey, I was scared. I was afraid. Instead of saying, I have a, a gracious, loving master, he said, I was afraid of you. And because... I was afraid of you. I went and played it safe. I, I hid what I had so that none would be lost. I hid what I had and, and I've achieved nothing. That's why the saying says, if we aim at nothing, we're going to hit it every time. That was this man. 
A wrong view of God leads to fear. I was afraid. So I and hid your talents in the ground. The right view of God, it, 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 it leads to faith. But the wrong view of God, it, it ends up in fear and it ends up in excuses. I found this statement, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of your fears. You know those other guys, they probably were pretty nervous. Six million bucks, the, the master entrusted you with that. You go out and investment, invest it. You got to be pretty nervous, don't you? You got to be thinking, oh, whew, this is a big step, the gap. That's a big step. Some of y'all don't know what the gap is. You're going to hear more about that. That's a big step. To say, what if I fail? What if it don't work out like I want it to work out? What if others don't get behind me? That's a big step. But instead of, of saying my fears are going to cause me simply to stick my head in the ground and say, Lord, you got the wrong person on this one. You won't have to find somebody else. It's courage to say, I'm going to move ahead in spite of my fears because my right view of God equals faith. Hey, God's going to take care of this. If God's in it, if God's doing it, all I need to do is move forward. Even though I have some fear, I have the courage to move forward. Look at the difference between the two. The first two men were determined to make a profit. The last man was determined not to make a loss. Isn't that true? I mean, they were determined we're going to make something happen. The other guy simply said, I'm not going to take a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risk. The third man, I'm not going to take any risk. The first two received the gift, the third refused a gift. The first two wanted to advance the master's domain. The third had no interest in what the master had to say. The first two viewed this money as an opportunity. The third guy viewed it as a problem. The first two allowed the master gift to change their lives. The third refused to let their gift affect his life. Think about that. You know, when he buried it, it was common in those days. That was a good thing. He went out. He dug a hole. Two guys are out here investing, working, making, going, going. I'm, I'm working for the master. I'm investing the master. The other guy dug it, buried it, covered it up, went along his business. It didn't affect him at all. He knew every day, hey, I've buried that out there. It's not going to affect me. I'm going to go live my daily life. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do, but I'm not going to invest anything in the master's talents. The first two invested, the other wasted. The first two saw a blessing. The third saw it as a burden. The first two knew the master. The last guy had no idea who the master was. This is my sixth point. I know we're getting close to time, but i got nearly ten minutes left. Amen? Good. Thank you, Steve. What we have, we need to use it. What's that saying? Use it or what? Use it or lose it. Y'all know that's in the Bible? <laughs> we either need to use it or we're going to lose it. Verse 26, the master saw right away through the excuses. And what did he say? He said, you're wicked and lazy. That's what he told that servant. You're wicked and lazy. You went to your house, you took a shovel out, you dug a hole, you put my money in that hole, you covered it up, you went on about your business. You are a wicked, lazy servant. That word means evil, hurtful, and malicious. In other words, the master said, you're lying. Because in your heart, you're just lazy. You're selfish. 
You didn't want to take the time to go out and invest in what I've given you. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that's what the word means. If you study that, you're a wicked, lazy servant. If you really wanted to do what I wanted you to do, if you really wanted to invest in me, you would have gone out and tried something. And we need to realize that, that those strong words is God will not merely judge you for doing what's wrong, but also doing what's right. And that servant knew what was right. Remember what we started with? During those times, that was common. He knew what the master wanted him to do. It was common. Here's my resources, invest them. Here's my blessings, invest them. He understood that, but he went and he buried it aside. Wickedness and laziness. When we put those things together, they, they rhyme in the original text and they're easy to remember in the original text, but that causes many people to fall from service. Because, boy, I don't want to be called lazy. Does anybody here want to be called a lazy bum? Probably not. What are you laughing about? You lazy bum. You're just lazy. You're just wicked. Nobody wants to hear that. And because of that, when we realize that, laziness and wickedness keep us from being about our master's business. I want you to think about this. Boy, I'm, I may get on your toe this morning or on the pew with you, but I may get on my own toes. How many times have you had an opportunity to serve the Lord and you came up with some kind of excuse. You know, they say an excuse is just the skin of a lie. <laughs> you came up with some kind of excuse. Oh, I can't do that. I've got this to do. I want to do this. I have this plan. I have that plan. I can't, well, I can't do it today. And what about next week? No, I've got this plan next week. I really can't do it. Why is that? Well, you may say, well, I had something I wanted to do more. Well, that may be. Isn't that getting really close to laziness? Golly. They're having a work day at 7.30 Saturday morning. I ain't getting up and going up there for that. Saturday's my only day off. I mean, hey, I got other things I need to do. Well, Jake, you're out of your mind. No, the Lord said, I've given you some talents. I've given you some abilities, and I want you to use them, invest them in my kingdom. And so often when we begin to make up excuses, we begin to dig a hole, and we begin to bury those resources in those holes. And cover them up and say, you know what? Really, I'm not going to use that talent. But I think the master will be okay with that. But when he looks at those actions, he says, you wicked, lazy servant. I've given you something to invest. Listen to what Scripture says about that laziness and that, that wickedness. Proverbs 6, 9 says, how long are you going to lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Proverbs 10, 5 says, He who gathers crops in the summer is wise, but he who sleeps during harvest is a deceitful son. Proverbs 13, 4, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Boy, that's a good one right there, isn't it? The sluggard craves and gets nothing but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Hebrews 6, 11, 12 says, We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make sure your hope. We do not want you to be lazy, but to be intimate, those through faith and patience inherit what has been promised to you. 
That's what the Scripture says. Man, we don't want you to be lazy. We want you to be moving forward. We want you to be investing in what, is, what God has given you that you might inherit what has been promised to you. One thing before we move to our last point, and that's this. Notice verse 28 says, Take the talent from him and give to the one who has ten. That's where I said it says in Scripture, you either use it or you lose it. The master said, just take away what I've given him. I've entrusted them to him. Since he's going to bury it in the ground, just take it and give it to others. We said a while ago, those who have more, who make do with more, who invest more, God is going to give them more. He sold them right there in Scripture. The master said, because you've been faithful to these small things, I'm going to add even more to you. For the one who buried the talent, he said, I'm going to simply take that away. I'm going to pass it over to these that have been more faithful. Some folks would say, man, if I had a little more, I could do this. If I had, man, if I had his money, I'd do that. Boy, if I had what they own, I'd do that. What's the Lord say? Be faithful with what you got, and I'll give you more. But we have to be faithful first with what he's entrusted us with, be it great or be it small. That's what God's entrusted us with. Here's the last thing. Who you know and what you do will either be abundance or agony in the next life. What we know and what we do, it's going to lead to abundance or agony in the next life. Look in verse 29. Now, I said in there, who you know, for a reason. Verse 29 says, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. For the other, he says, take him out and cast him into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That description is used elsewhere, that, that scripture is used elsewhere in scripture as, as, a, as a picture of hell. So think about this. Who we know, that's God the Father. If we know God the Father, if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's going to make a difference in the next life. What did we say about that third servant? He didn't know the master. He thought he knew the master. He thought he was wicked and evil and harsh, and, and, but he didn't know the love and the grace of the master. Folks, who we know is going to affect eternity. And then what we do with what the blessings God has given us, that's going to affect eternity. I've heard people say, you know, I just hope I can get to heaven. The Bible says this, there's going to be some Christians there that are saved only by the flames. You know what that means? Their tail feathers are going to be singed. In other words, they simply just got in heaven. I've heard people say, that's all I want. I don't care. That's enough. Yeah, that's not the way to be. Man, think about it. God has entrusted you. He's given you something to, to build His kingdom. He's given you the ability to change eternity in the lives of others. Don't be satisfied but by the singeing of your hair, but say God has invested some things in me. And besides that, if we don't use them, we're going to lose them. I'm reminded of a lady that we used to go to church with at, at First Baptist Church Fairview. I think her name was Lena Cash, and I'm not sure, but uh, I'm not sure if she's the one that said this, but uh, we were, we, a preacher was preaching on giving one day, and the, he, he had her give a testimony. And she got up, I don't know why I remember this, and she said, yeah, me and my husband come up to church Sunday, and, and we were thinking about what to give, and we were talking about it, and, and he said, we just can't afford to give anything today. 
And she said, you know, we went home and found a dead calf. <laughs> and she said, I believe that calf died because we were unf I believe she's right. Boy, that had stuck in my mind for years and years and years. God's entrusted us with something. If we won't be faithful to Him, we're going to lose it. He's going to get it from another angle. We're going to say, why is this always happening to me? And why am I having to deal with this? And, and why do these things happen? And why do those things happen? We need to realize God has entrusted us with some things. He wants us to invest those things. And we need to use it or we're going to lose it. Here's what we're going to close with this morning. What we have is not ours. We're given as much as we can handle. We need to invest what we've been given because a day accountability is coming. What we do with what we received has to do with our view of God. It has, really has to do with what we really think about God when we invest what He's given us. What we have, we need to use it or we're going to lose it. And who we know will either lead to abundance or agony in the next life. Have you all ever watched Pond, Store, Pond Stars? I get on that and watch it and I get tired of it and quit watching it. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'll have it on, and I'll think, boy, that's pretty good, and then I'll end up watching it. Isn't it funny sometimes that uh, people come in with their stuff, and they bring it there. I think the guy's name's Rick. They bring it there, and Rick looks at it. And uh, many times people come with these things, and they think they have a huge treasure. You know, they'll say, boy, I got this, and it was used in the Civil War, and so-and-so uh, -so used it, and it's inscribed, and then, boy, he'll look at that thing, and... And he'll say, well, this is a fake. <laughs> and he'll have some professional come in and they'll say, no, that, uh, that's a, got the wrong trigger on it. Or, you know, they'll find something and say, there's no way that can be original. That's a forgery or that's, that's a duplicate or that's, that's worth very little. And then you'll have somebody else come in there and, and they'll have some small trinket or some painting they bought at a garage sale for a dollar and, and, uh, or in their old dusty attic and they're just proud to get on the show. You know, they're standing in the parking lot and say, I want, I want 30000 but I'll take $10 he'll offer. You know what I mean? They, they just, they're just happy to be there. And, and he takes it and he looks at it and, and, and he says, man, do you realize what you have here? And then he, he calls somebody in and they, they look at it and say, oh, this is, this is worth a great deal. Folks, sometimes that's the way we are. We, we, we think we have a big extravagant thing or, or we look at the, the person next to us in line at the pawn store and say, man, if I could only have what they have, that's got to be worth a fortune. All I have is this little trinket. But we need to realize that God has given us that and because it came from the Master, it's worth a great deal. It's worth more than we can imagine. When we take it and when we invest it, there's a great return on what God has for us. I want to ask you to, to bow your heads with me this morning. Those people waiting on a, a big hit. Boy, God, if I can win that lottery, man, if I can do that, here's what I'm going to do. Too often the, the professional looks at it and says, you know what, that's not worth anything. But that person has that, that little trinket, that little dusty painting that just simply says, you know what, I'm going to take this and, and I'm going to just invest it, all I have in it. It's all I have. 
And we realize the master says, boy, because you've been faithful with those small things, I want to add even more abundance to you. And I want you to come in. And I want to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and come enjoy the favor of the master, and let's celebrate together. Jesus placed his business into our hands. He's gone on a journey. He told the disciples, I'm not sure when I'm going to make it back. But when you look around and you see these things happening, you know the time's approaching. Folks, you look around today and you're reading some Bible prophecy, those are the beginning of the birth pains. He says, you know, I'm getting closer. I'm entrusting my work into your hands. I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my hands. I want you to be my feet. I want you to be my grace and my love to a world who desperately needs a Savior. And one day, Jake, it's going to stand before the master and there's going to be a reconciliation. And one day you're going to stand before the master and there's going to be a reconciliation. There's going to be a balancing of the books. And when we stand before the master, won't it be great to stand there confident and happy and not to stand there with our heads down making excuses? Well done, my good and faithful servant. The thing is this, today's not a message to make us leave here with our heads down, but lifted up, saying, you know what? God's given me some blessings. He's given me some ability. He's given me a weighted measure that he's given it to me that I might invest in his kingdom. We don't have to worry about somebody else's talents or somebody else's ability. God's given each one of us a talent and ability to invest in his kingdom. And all he wants us to do is be faithful to him. He does the work. He does the blessings. He does the drawing. He just needs workers who are faithful to him. Father, I pray this morning that your spirit would take a, a bunch of foolishness again that was spoken by, by somebody and that, they, that just the things that, that fall contrary to your will or your word would just be hidden and out of our minds. But, Father, that which is true, that which is trustworthy, that which is ordained by you, I pray that it would be burnt within our hearts. And, Father, that we would respond to you and your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.